Well, we are in the One Another series. Uh, we're studying all the different One Another statements um, from the New Testament of how we are supposed to live as a church. Like how we are supposed to treat each other, how we are supposed to act, um, habits we should have, things we are supposed to do. Um, and so that is all good. And there's a word we throw around a lot, um, and it's kind of used out of context, and that word is church, right? We at J-Road say instead of having church, we go out and, yeah, like we, instead of having church, we be the church that Sunday. Um, so like, what is church? You know, we, we tell people we go to church. Um, you give to a church, um, but what is church? All right, so I have a simple definition of church uh, for you guys. It is this, a church is a group of Jesus followers who are on mission together to expand the kingdom of God. A group of Jesus followers who are on mission together to expand the kingdom of God. That's what a church is, right? Like, um, it's, the church is not a place we go, but it's an identity that we have. You know, saying that calling a building a church is like calling your wife a condo, all right? She's not a place. She's an identity, right? She's your wife. Um, so the, calling, the church was never meant to be called a building. Um, but over the last, even in America, in our society, over the last like 100 years or so, the church has become less and less of a prominent figure in society. Would you guys agree with that? Over the last like 100 years or so, in your day-to-day -day lives, I know some of you, I don't think any of you in this room are 100, but... Um, and in some ways, little, we've seen the church really lose influence or in society. Um, there is a time where most people went to church on Sunday morning. And when I say went to church, they went to a church gathering, right? They went to a church service. Um, there is a time where nothing was open on Sunday morning. Does anybody remember that time? A few of you, yes? Like, literally nothing was open. Like, you could go to church service, and then you went home because everything was closed on Sundays because it was more of a Christianized society. Um, there wasn't soccer games or baseball games on Sunday. There was, you went to church and you went to your granny's house for dinner, and that was really about it, right? <laughs> um, There's no sports. Uh, there really wasn't work on Sundays. And here's the thing that I heard once on a podcast, but they said, in the Christian society, or the pre, you know, the Christian society back in the day, in a lot of towns in the Midwest and Middle America, if you didn't go to church on Sunday, your boss would call you in his office on Monday and ask why your family wasn't at church. And they were saying that was not uncommon in the 50s to be like, hey, missed you guys at church. Where were you guys? And your boss would ask you that at work on Sunday. Uh, um, it was a Christian society, but now we live in what's called a post-Christian society. Um, you know, at one time, like, when we, if you guys know, when we bought this church, at, there was, I don't know, approximately 20 people, 20 members left on a, on a Sunday. There is one time, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, that this, this Emmanuel Lutheran was full on Sundays. Like, probably multiple services, running 300 people. You're like, how did they, they didn't even have a parking lot. Well, they did it. They just had, this was packed, and it went from that down to, you know, 30 people. Like, all churches sort of have, unfortunately, a life cycle that they go through. Um, so I believe as a church we need to constantly evaluate how are we reaching the lost 
what methods we are using to reach the lost and say, are they even relevant for today? Are they even relevant to today? Because back in the 50s, when everybody was going to church, inviting your lost friends to church was a very acceptable practice. And a lot of times your lost friends would go to church because everybody was going to church. So you'd be like, hey, come to church, and they would go. And that's where, over the last like 30 or so years, there's what was called attractional churches would spring up. In attractional services, in churches, they have a, they're also called seeker-sensitive churches. So seeker-sensitive churches, their Sunday service was for believers, but they were also, in a, in a big way, geared towards non-believers. And so they would say, if you want to reach your friends, invite them to church. And so when you have a ton of unchurched people coming in here on Sunday morning, you want to make sure the service is appealing to them or makes sense to them. Or, and so you change the way you do it. And so um, I don't think that's, we don't think that's working anymore. Um, we don't really try to say, like, you're, you're, you're more than welcome to invite your friends on Sunday morning. We hope that they get a lot out of it. But we believe that there is a better way. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, you know, if we think that the way that we're going to reach Muskegon is by inviting them here on Sunday morning, we are missing the boat by a mile. Because we said before, our friends who don't know Jesus don't want to get up early on their only day off and sing songs they don't know with people they have never met. <laughs> and that's really what we're asking them to do. And many times, if we're serving in kids' ministry, we're inviting our friends and they're sitting alone singing songs they don't know with nobody they know. And they're like, why am I here again? <laughs> Somehow sleep, staying at home was so much more fulfilling. Um, and so... The better way that we go to is, is what we call missional communities. Many of you know about missional communities. Many of you are in missional communities. Um, but that's why we believe missional communities are so important. I believe missional communities are the way. Now, when we say the word MCs, you know, we mean missional communities. So if you are new and not familiar with all the JRO lingo, we use MC a lot. And I'll use it probably a lot in this sermon, but... MC means missional community. And so if you hear that around here, that's what we're referring to. Um, missional communities are not a new way of doing ministry and being the church. It's actually a more biblical way. Like if you think about it, nowhere in the Bible did we see the church in like Rome all gathering together at one location. They were scattered throughout houses in different places and they would meet in homes and break bread in homes. And that's the only thing we hear of in the Bible of the church meeting was in people's homes. So if you look at an expression of the church, like this is an expression of the gathering of the church, but really a more biblical expression of the gathering of church is in missional communities. And it's how it looked. It was in homes. Um, there wasn't a stage in the church. Like when they talk about gathering, there wasn't like a central stage. They were gathered around like circles in people's homes, like gathered around tables and sharing meals and, and all that good stuff. So to build out missional communities, there's really three aspects to the way we do missional communities at J-Road, okay? And so there's three parts. We usually make three concentric circles, but it involves these three things. And in short, we say um, worship, community, and mission. Worship, community, and mission. And so the first thing about MCs is they pursue God together. They study the Bible. They pray for each other. They pray, you know, together um, corporately. They, um, some even sing songs and get out the guitar and worship together. They do communion together. And so they are all pursuing God together, and that's what we call worship. 
The other thing is they live in community. They're a family. They love each other. They're actually friends. They like each other's presence. They play board games together. They have bonfires together. They are a place where you get to know each other, right? And you need to be building up that community in a missional community. And the last one is they are on mission together. So worship, community, and mission. And if one of these three things are not there, it's not a missional community. Does that make sense? Like if you guys are doing Bible studies every, every Tuesday and you guys are inviting your friends, but you don't really like each other, that's a problem. <laughs> and that's what we tell, that's what we train our missional communities to do. If you don't feel like you're gelling well as a missional community or maybe you don't know each other that well, then stop studying the Bible for a few weeks and just play board games for about three weeks or play cards or have bonfires and just have fun together, right? And get to know each other a little bit. Because if you don't like each other, well, it's not going to be that fun to pursue God together and be on mission together. So we make sure, like, our missional community takes a break every three weeks and we just have a dinner and play fun games and just goof around. Um, and it's a way we kind of build that community. Um, and part of being on mission together is our missional communities, we really want to be the front door to the world of J-Road. To the world to J-Road. So I would say... If you had to choose and you're like, Pastor Jim, like, should we invite our friend who doesn't know Jesus to church or should we invite him to our missional community? All day, every day, we're going to say invite them to your missional community. Especially you know them, right? Some people be like, well, that's weird. Well, I'm not inviting my neighbor to go to Kubanex missional community. I'm inviting my neighbor to come to my missional community because he's already been at my house. He already knows me and he's comfortable there, right? Um, and so we want our missional communities to be the front door to the world. And what we're seeing is more people who don't know Jesus are coming to our missional communities than they are to church on Sunday morning. You're like, well, I thought we have a lot of new visitors. We do have a lot of new visitors, and that is awesome here on Sunday morning. Like, that is great. We have new visitors. But a lot of the visitors that come here on Sunday morning are familiar with church, right? And we, ex we love that. Uh, some of our new members are people who are transferring from another church, and that's totally okay, as long as they left in a healthy way, and that's awesome. But people on Sunday morning are used to church, right? They're not singing songs they don't know, because they know, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, because they sang it at their previous church. Um, and so, I love Sundays. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Sundays are bad. We get together as a collection, like really Sunday morning is a collection of all of our missional communities. We have nine missional communities and we have about 85 people in missional communities. And so the adults, that, just the adults that are in here, I don't know the exact number, but it ranges around 110, 190, you know. So a lot of our adults that are in here are in missional community. Um, and so it's a collection to come together. We celebrate, we hear stories we hear testimonies, we do baptisms, we do communion, we sing corporately, and it is awesome. And it's where we get equipped. But we at J-Road say that our Sunday mornings are to equip believers. Like that's really like we're not trying to, we're not trying to be impressive towards people who don't know anything about church. Does that make sense? We're not going to be up here like um, pl playing like Cardi B songs, so people are like, oh, that's awesome. I think that church is very trendy, you know. Like, we're trying to equip believers here on Sunday. But the missional communities become our place where we try to reach people who don't know Jesus and invite them in 
and try to invest in them. So when our missional community does like a bonfire, we'll invite people who don't know Jesus, get to talk to them, and then they come back for the Bible study as well. Um, so the reason I say all this and share this is because we are talking about the one another's, and um, the, these teachings of the one another's are best lived out in a missional community. Like if, if these one another's are supposed to be lived out as a church, and believe it or not, and you might disagree with me, but Sunday mornings are incredibly fast, right? Especially if you have kids in the kids' ministry. Like you get here and you're saved by the bell and you check your kids in and then you come up here and you sing a few songs and your older kids, you check them in and you come back here. So at intermission, you're not even talking to anybody. And as soon as service gets out, you know the kids' ministry direct, like leaders are ready to be done. So you get your kids and you head out. And where is their time to encourage one another, bear one another's burdens, pray for each other? Like, that happens on Sunday morning, but Sunday mornings are like boom, 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 boom. And I encourage you guys, stay after as late as you want. We'll keep the doors open as late as you want. But Sunday mornings are fast. <laughs> and to really be in community and to get to know people, it's hard to do on a Sunday morning. I really just touch base and connect with a lot of you. And if we want to get together, we can get coffee or lunch or something like that and talk more. But missional communities where we see a lot of this fruit. And so we believe missional communities are a huge part of what we do. It's essential for growth. As a believer, it's essential for growth. It's part of our mission. We don't think missional communities are optional. We feel like they are a total must. And if we've said this before, if Sunday is like the only day you have, like Sunday morning is like the only day and time that you possibly have, and you had to choose between should we start a missional community on Sunday morning or should we be in church in here? I would say start a missional community. Because missional, if you ask, that's the only time you have. I mean, ideally we want you to do both, but that's how important we feel that they are because that's where you get a better expression of what the church is and where you get to live it out. Um, so I say all that to lead into our one another's because our, our missional community leaders, if you go through our cohort, which if you're thinking about leading a missional community, you can come to the new leaders cohort this summer. Um, and I'll give you information about that. But we have core values as our missional community leaders. And one of our core values is this, is everyone is called to make disciple makers. Okay? Everyone is called to make disciple what? Thank you. Uh, I do not say, notice, I do not say everybody is called to make disciples. Because that's what every church says. And I believe that's where a lot of churches get it wrong. Not to be pious or prideful, but if you are just trying to make disciples, that is a dead-end street. We make disciples, and they know Jesus, they are living for Jesus, they care about Jesus, they're tithing, they're going to church, and it stops there, then we've lost, right? But if we make disciple-makers, then the disciples that we make are making other disciples. It's very multiplicative, if that's even a word right? Somebody's like, no, I ain't a word. Look it up. Maybe it is. It sounds actually right. Multiplicative. But that's why Jesus said, what did Jesus say in the parable of the sower? Some seeds fell on rocky soil, some fell on the path, but the seed that fell on good soil produced a crop hundred times, thousand times that was planted, saying that the disciples are making disciples are making disciples. So it's not that just the disciples I make, but my disciples are making disciples. And that's where the kingdom of God really expands. And I believe that multiplication piece 
is where the church drops the ball a lot of times. Does that make sense? Um, and so everyone is called to make disciple makers. And that's what we want to do in our missional communities. That's everything. That's how we train. That's why in missional communities, um, many of our missional communities use this tool, this Bible study tool called Discovery Bible Study. And it's just a tool to study the Bible. It's just a sheet of paper we use every week to study different passages. And that's why we train our leaders to give our curriculum to somebody else to start getting somebody else to lead. Because I don't want to be the only lead. I want to train other people to lead because if our group grows, it'll multiply off and then somebody else will lead. So um, we, we say that everybody's called to play in the kingdom. Like nobody's excluded. And when I start teaching that and sharing that, it's, everybody says amen, but when it comes into practice, people say, not her. Right? Well, why not her? Well, did you hear about her past? You know what? Did I, if I look into every one of y'all's past, we're going to find some skeletons, right? <laughs> like, not her, not him. He doesn't know the Bible that well. It's like, who here has the whole Bible memorized and knows the Bible inside and out? You know what I mean? I went to four years of Bible college and I still get things wrong and I'm still learning. And the Bible says, once you've mastered the entire Bible, then you can make disciples of all nations. It doesn't say that. And today we're talking about that you are like equipped. You have everything you need to be effective in the kingdom and make disciples. Amen? Like you can't just wait till that happens because if you wait, you know, you're going to be with Jesus and you're going to be having regrets up there saying, I wish I would have done more. And Jesus is like, hey, I gave you the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And you're like, oh, I thought that was just something cute we said. No, you actually had my spirit living inside of you and leading you and guiding you and giving you wisdom. And uh, you need to tap into that a lot more. You should have tapped into that a lot more. Um, but you still made it to heaven, so you're good. Um, so, we are, so the one another for this Sunday is we are called to instruct one another. Okay? And this is, we get it from Romans 15, 14. Um, Romans 15, 14 is just one verse. Um, and it says this. Paul is saying this. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and what? All right, you are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and what? Competent to instruct one another. And so this is what he's telling the church. Like, he's saying, you guys are full of goodness, you're full of knowledge to instruct one another. Um, what does instruct mean? Like in this original passage, what is it saying to instruct one another? Um, it really, the essence of this word is coaching. Or, or another word for like coaching, discipling is, is, or coaching is discipling. And so it's showing somebody the way to live. Showing somebody how to live. Correcting them. Counseling them. Encouraging them. Coaching them. Discipling them. Like that's all wrapped up in instructing. And so if we are walking alongside of somebody in our MC and we see that they're starting to wander off the path of life, you are called to instruct them and coach them back on, right? And you are, you are called to instruct one another and disciple one another. Um, and so when I think of instructing, I think of discipling. We are called to disciple one another, to invest in one another, um, are there Christians right now that you are pouring into? That's what I want you guys to think about. 
Now, I know our missional community leaders are, they would say 100%, yes, I'm a missional community. I'm pouring into those people. And hopefully some of those people start to pour into people. But if you're not a missional community leader, are there people that you are pouring into? And some of you are like, yes, I'm a J-Road student ministry leader, and I'm definitely pouring into those people. That's awesome. Maybe I'm a J-Road kids ministry leader, and when I'm back there, I'm, there's, I'm pouring into those kids. But are there people that you are living life with, pouring into? Maybe they're in your missional community, and you're not a missional community leader. And you say, God has called me to you to pour into you and just live life with you. And that's kind of what we want to build out is we are all called to disciple one another. And it shouldn't be weird in the church if you are a mature believer or you've been a believer for any amount of time to take a younger believer and say, hey, do you want to like do a Bible study on the side? Do you want to get together once a week? I feel called to disciple you, pour into you, and, and do that. And that shouldn't be out of the question. We, there should be somebody each one of us is pouring into, and there's somebody who is pouring into us as well. It's kind of that double pouring. Um, so when you instruct somebody, you pour into them. Um, as I said before, everyone is called to make what? Yes, disciple makers. We're all called to be disciple makers. Um, because it doesn't stop there. So it says... If you are a follower of Jesus, it means you are filled with the Spirit of God. Then you have everything needed to instruct one another. You are capable. You are confident. And as I bashed this statement last week big time, you are enough. Right? (laughs) Some of you are like, hey, you said we're not supposed to say you are enough. You have the Holy Spirit, and it's really like what Paul is saying is, you're filled with goodness, you're filled with knowledge, you're competent. Hey, start instructing one another. You're not enough in and of itself. You're enough because you have the Holy Spirit. The God, like Spirit of God is actually living in your soul and giving you wisdom. Like you have what it takes. You are enough. You are able to instruct one another. Now, he says this. I think is really interesting. He says you're full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent. What I hear a lot of times in the church is when we start pushing people to any type of leadership role or discipleship role, like, hey, are, are you leading somebody? Are you pouring into somebody? They're like, I'm not ready for that. And I'm like, sister, you've been a Christian for 25 years, you know? Like, what are you waiting for? Brother, you've been a Christian for 25 years. What are you waiting for? Think about this. The audience of the book of um, Romans is the church in Rome. The gospel has only been around there for 20 years total. So think about this. When Paul is writing to the Romans— He's writing to people that probably have only been Christians for a short amount of time. Probably only been Christians for maybe 10 years, maybe less, maybe five years. Like, I know some of you guys, if I were to ask, what's the average age you've been a follower of Jesus, right? Some of you would say, I mean, it might be like 20 years here at j maybe 30 years since you started following Jesus. Um, I mean— I should have done the math. I got saved when I was 16. I'm 37. You know, 20, 21 years. Thank you. Fast math. Loretta actually told me. She's like, 21. I'm not good at public math, all right? I do math in private on my fingers. Um, so I'm a pastor, not an accountant. Give me a break. Um, but think about this. He's writing to new believers, and he's writing to people who don't even have the full written Bible yet. You know, what the, you know what the church in Rome had? They had the book of Romans. 
And they're getting it right here. They didn't have the whole scope of the Bible, the beauty of God's Word that we have access to. You know, and many of us have multiple Bibles. They didn't even have that. They had a couple years of following Jesus, and they had the Holy Spirit. And he said, you know what? That's enough. That's good. And we have the Bible, which is every letter to written to every church back then. And so we have more than enough. We have access to more than enough. And really, we have, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So I say all that because if God is leading you to do something for the kingdom, we should not limit ourselves to saying, uh, I've only, I don't know enough. I, I am not, I don't have enough. Like, you've sat through way more sermons than these folks have. <laughs> you sat through way more Bible studies than these folks have. And Paul said, you're, you're, you're ready. Each one of you are ready to disciple people. Each one of you are capable to instruct people, instruct one another, like our, our verse says, encourage one another. And so none of us should be on the sideline. So if Paul says they're ready, he, you know, we for sure are ready because we have access to way more letters than they did. Now this, this one isn't meant to sting anybody in here, so don't take offense to this. By all standards, the church in general has been neutered. Okay? The church in general in America has been neutered in their ministry. And so most of the ministry done in church is done by paid professionals. And I fully realize when I say that, I'm talking about myself. Can I get what I'm saying? The church has been neutered. The church, all the scope of the church who have been coming every Sunday and sitting in missional communities and, and pews, like in a sense, they've been neutered. And, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Most people don't know who they're called to disciple. They have never discipled somebody. They, they don't know what their ministry is or what they're called to. And so why is the Christian church in America so neutered? In my opinion, it's a product of what I call consumerism. Okay, we talk about this a lot. Consumerism is like the church has adopted a McDonald's, you know, mentality where it's like, have it your way. You know, whatever the people like, we'll make it so you guys are comfortable and you're happy. I mean, um, consumerism is, uh, a product of consumerism is the people, the people of the church, the actual church, they leave prayer, teaching, preaching, evangelism, exhortation, prophecy, comforting one another and instructing one another up to the trained pastors and the pastors haven't given people opportunities. Okay? Does that make sense? So I'm taking responsibility and I think all pastors should and it's because of, think about this, the way the church is structured. There's a, there's a stage in the church, Right? What does a stage mean? Where do you see stages? Comedy clubs, <laughs> uh, music venues, rock concerts. You see a stage, and when you see a stage, and you see all the pews lined up facing the stage, what we're telling them is, hey, you guys come to church and watch this one person do the ministry. And so a lot of people, when they even come to church on Sundays, they're not really using their gifts, talents that God has given them. And that's okay. Like, there's a place for preaching. I'm not saying this is all, like, I'm not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's a place for this. But I'm saying, like, in missional communities, it's, there's no pews. There's no places to hide. There's, you have to talk. You have to be engaged. 
There's going to be somebody crying next to you, and you've got to pat their head and say, oh, there, there, I'm not really good at helping, but I'll try. And God's going to push you out of your comfort zone in missional communities because there's really no place to hide, right? And that's a place where we could blossom. That's why we want to put our eggs in that basket. And that's why I want to try to give everybody more opportunities to serve, to figure out their gifts, because this isn't a one-man band. Does that make sense? It's not a one-man show. Um, I'm, my job is to encourage you guys to figure out your gifts and actually do the work. But I'm in charge of training you guys to do the work, not to do all the work myself. Does that make sense? Um, there's that myth, you know, we, I call it the holy man myth, where it's like we've adopted this from Roman Catholic Church, the, the evangelical church in America has over many centuries, where there was a priest who did the ministry. So even the Bible, if you know, if you did your history in Roman Catholic Church, there's a Bible, and it was behind a, um, it was behind a, what's it called, like a fence that was like locked that only the pastor and priest could walk through, and the people didn't have access to that. The priest had to do it, and so it was all this one man. Um, and so that really isn't biblical. Like, there is nobody in the old, there is nobody in the New Testament church, there wasn't like a lead pastor. That wasn't a role in the New Testament church. Are you following me? So like, there wasn't like Pastor Steve, who's the pastor of Rome. There was elders that would oversee churches. So it was a plurality of elders. And that's sort of the way we try to do it as well. Um, I am the lead pastor. um, So I'm not saying you guys should fire me or anything. But what I'm saying is, is like, I'm one of six elders who lead the church. So I don't just do whatever I feel is right. We have elder meetings every other week and we talk about it. And we, and we, and you guys are welcome to even sit in on those and give your input and talk. Um, so it's not like a one-man band. Um, oh, one person who does everything. But here's the problem. When a church, like let's say J-Road was looking for a lead pastor, and let's say there's no pastors here. Like Brian's gone, I'm gone, Jackie's not a kids ministry director, you know, nobody's here. And you guys say, we want to hire somebody. And so you guys, let's say we're all gone. What do you think you guys are going to do in the weeks between that? One of you is going to start teaching. Maybe you're going to take turns teaching. One of you is going to fill the gap in the kids' ministry and start teaching the kids. And you guys are going to start stepping up and doing the ministry. But when we hire somebody, there's a, there's a thought that enters our brain sometimes in churches. It's like when there's ministry to be done, they're saying, hey, call Pastor Dan. That's why we hired him. Does that make sense? Hey, call him. 